Want to know anything and everything related to pets? You're in the right place. Join us as we talk to pet industry experts about pet fitness and health, pet travel, foods and recipes, pet horoscopes, and much, much more. This episode is brought to you by Fido Fitness and Play, the pet industry's leader in pet transportation. This is Everything Pets with your host, Ed Walden. Welcome to another episode of the Everything Pets podcast. I am your friend and host, Ed Walden, and I'm podcasting from Washington, D.C. in the Fido Fitness and Play Power Center. Have you ever wondered what's going on inside of your dog's mouth? Why does your dog's breath smell? Should you get your dog's teeth cleaned regularly? Well, today... We're chatting with veterinary dentist, Dr. Christopher Snyder. Oh, yeah. Dr. Snyder is a professor at the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine and has an impeccable track record as a veterinary dentist. Keeping your dog's mouth healthy may be a bigger deal than you actually think. In a moment, I'm going to chat with Dr. Snyder about the importance of taking care of your dog's teeth. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. Hi, pet parents, Zoe Dove here, and I want to tell you about our friends at Fido Fitness and Play, North America's number one pet transportation service. Fido Fitness and Play has been safely transporting pets since 2008 in clean, temperature-controlled vehicles, reliably and on time. If you need pet transportation service, call our friends at Fido Fitness and Play at 844-738-3973. Or visit their website at phytofitnessandplay.com. You can find them on Twitter at DC Fido. Okay, pet and animal lovers, take a stab at winning $50 cash from the Everything Pets podcast by answering our trivia question correctly. Which animal has the most teeth? Dogs, cats, or wolves? Go on to our Instagram at Podcast Pets and be the 50th person to DM us the correct answer. The winner will be announced during a future episode. Entries must be submitted by midnight, Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. You must be at least 18 years of age and living within the United States. Well, it's time to get down to business and bring on one of our newest friends of the Everything Pets podcast, Dr. Christopher Snyder. Dr. Snyder, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Great, indeed. So why should dog parents care about their dog's teeth? You know, just like with people, if you neglect your oral care and keeping the mouth clean, you set areas up for infection to develop. And with infection, obviously, comes sources of discomfort and, and pain. So, you know, really just trying to be in tune with your pet and recognizing that, you know, each tooth is kind of like its own little patient. So in dogs that have 42 teeth, there's 42 opportunities for those individual patients to have some source of infection or discomfort. So, you know, it's it's worth the upkeep, uh, especially for as important as mouths are for picking things up, eating food, grooming, and things like that. Well, are there any other potential health problems associated with canine oral health neglect? There's there's some literature that suggests that just like in people, if you have a lot of source of inflammation in your mouth, uh, it can translate into other areas in your body 
you know, platelets being more sticky, being at risk for other types of, of systemic manifestations of uh, inflammation that are not good for vessels and um, other parts of your body, things like that. Uh, but, you know, I think the huge reality is, is that, you know, the mouth's uh, an area where tissues are constantly turning over. And, you know, in some, some of my patients that are the or some of my clients that are the best, most diligent uh, pet owners at watching their pet mouth and for health are the ones that have had tumors in the past. So, you know, even just getting in there, looking around, making sure that if you can identify something that doesn't look normal, you can get to your veterinarian, talk to them about it, and hopefully do something sooner than later. Mm. Now, my, my dog suffers with bad breath. Now, is bad breath always a sign of a dental problem? Not always. Uh, certainly bad breath can be reflective of whatever they might be playing with, with toys or what they may be eating. You know, certainly dogs that visit in the cat litter box are going to have bad breath for all those uh, gross reasons that you don't want to have to think about. But, you know, ultimately the, the source of bad breath is what bacteria do, usually the bad bacteria, uh, what they do with carbohydrates that are kind of hanging around in the mouth. They basically turn it into stuff that's pretty stinky, and that's what, what leads to bad breath. So in a lot of situations, a really pungent, consistent, foul odor to the mouth probably is indicative of, of some source of infection. Now, could since you mentioned carbohydrates, could any of that be food-related with regard to bacteria and carbohydrates? Uh, to some degree. I mean, it's the bacteria needs some sort of carbohydrate source, and you know, we don't have as much cavities in our veterinary population as we do in people. And a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, the bacteria are the same between people and dogs. But what happens is, is that people graze on food all day long and are constantly taking in those carbohydrates to feed those bacteria that cause cavities, which, which are, which dogs typically, typically don't have. So yeah, usually, usually food doesn't play as big of a role as far as, uh, you know, precipitating bad breath. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the difference between plaque and tartar? Oh, that's a great question. Some they're frequently confused, and I would think of it yes. like this: is that plaque is is like the fuzzy sweater that you wear in the winter time, and tartar or calculus sometimes it's called is kind of like wearing your armor. So tartar or calculus is the hard stuff that you can only remove when they're under anesthesia, and plaque is the fuzzy sweater stage before it mineralizes, that we have the opportunity to get in there and remove it before it it turns to tartar. So what are some of the contributing factors to plaque buildup? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really think that we completely know. And we, we do know that if you don't mechanically disrupt the bacteria that are there, then the plaque gets thicker and thicker. Where and how much that actually turns into periodontal disease or some source of infection or inflammation sometimes is also chalked up to some degree of, of genetics, just like with people. Um, some people can get away with not brushing their teeth more than once a day, uh, sometimes every other day. And, and then there are others of us that, you know, brush our teeth three or four times a day, and we still go to the dentist and they still find reasons that we could be doing better. Right. Are there things that pet parents can do to remove plaque from their dog's teeth? Yeah. So anything that can mechanically disrupt that fuzzy sweater-like layer that's there. So choosing the right type of 
choose treats or toys is a good way to help disrupt the plaque. And certainly the best thing that the pet owner can do is to actually get in there and brush their, brush their dog's teeth. You know, a couple things I'd say about brushing the teeth too is twofold. One is you got to make sure it's a pleasurable experience for the pet. When I talk to clients about brushing their dog's teeth or cat's teeth, I talk about uh, you can do it in, right before you feed them and do it once a day because it's not because we're trying to prevent cavities. We're trying to mix up that plaque bacteria so it doesn't mineralize. So pairing it with food and with a food-motivated dog is really convenient. And then the other piece of it too is no matter how well-intentioned a, a pet owner might be to want to start brushing, always talk to your veterinarian first because the last thing you want to do is get in there with a toothbrush and, and contact an area where there is some infection or inflammation. And then the pet's going to respond that it hurts and they're going to think it was the toothbrush that did it, not that they had some underlying condition that was there. So always work with your vet first and ideally get a cleaning before you try brushing. Now, is it possible for a pet parent to remove tartar from the dog's teeth? Mm, that's a little bit more risky because usually we have to use uh, some pretty sharp instruments, which is why t uh, professional dental cleanings usually happen under anesthesia. The last thing you want to do is get in there with something sharp and have the animal kind of toss their head to the side or bite down, and then you end up causing more harm than good. So tartar, once it's there, usually it's got to come off under general anesthesia. By feeding your dog kibble, does that assist in removing plaque and or tartar? Yeah, so using feeding kibble, provided that the dog chews it, is going to be that mechanical disruption of the plaque layer, so that fuzzy stuff that's there. Um, certainly, there are even some prescription-based dental diets that you can get through your veterinarian that are proven to reduce gingivitis and tartar. It's got the science behind it. So it's yes, there are there are certain foods that are better than others, but if you if you feed a dry food and they don't just swallow it, they chew through it, that should also help disrupt some of the plaque. Well, I wanted to ask you about dental hygiene chews. Are they effective against new plaque, tartar, and bad breath? That's a great question because when a client walks down the, the pet toy or treat aisle of the pet store, it can be a really overwhelming place, right? Because there are so many products that are on the shelf. And there's really nobody that really polices those marketing claims that are there. So if you choose the right type of, of chew toy or treat, then uh, it will provide that mechanical disruption of the plaque that's there. Um, but uh, if you know if the pet doesn't use it, or worse worse than that is if the treat or toy is too hard, then they can actually break their teeth um, while chewing on those objects. So a good place to get a resource for. For pet parents that kind of want to figure out what works and what doesn't is the Veterinary Oral Health Council, vohc.org. And that's a good reference of um, companies that have put some solid um, resources behind doing scientific studies to prove that their chew, treat, toy, or diet actually is, is going to remove um, or reduce gingivitis or, or tartar. So are there any particular things that we should see visibly, say we're walking down the retail aisle at the pet store and we see a chew toy? Should it be something that's uh, bumpy? Should it be something that's smooth? Should it be considered like, hard? Or how do we know what to get other than by going to vohc.org? Is there something that we could just look at and determine that's a good toy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some some people recommend, I've heard a lot of people recommend if you can kind of pinch your, your thumbnail into it and see an indentation. 
then it's not too hard for the for the dog to chew on. Uh, kind of my favorite rule of thumb to use is that if you can whack yourself in the knee with it and it doesn't hurt, then it's going to be okay for them to chew on. Would a chew toy be different for a puppy as opposed to an adult or senior? Um, I don't know that they they vary as much between um, a puppy and an adult mature dog. I think it's more that those chew toys are going to be based on the size of the animal. Um, chew toys that would be appropriate for a small breed dog probably would end up being a choking hazard for a really a, a giant breed dog. So I, I would go more off of what toys um, or treats may be uh, on the backside with the information where it says what size appropriate this is for those particular gotcha. pets. Okay. Should dog parents give their dogs large bones to gnaw on to help break plaque and tartar buildup? Uh, some people definitely prescribed the idea that that's what they'd get in the wild and therefore that's what's best for my dog. Um, but I think that those fall back into the realm of if you whack yourself in the knee with it and it hurts, it's too hard for them to chew on. Bones are pretty notorious for breaking teeth, which then those dogs end up coming to see us for root canal therapy or extractions. So I would stay away from them. And I think think it's also important to remind pet parents, too, that going to the butcher or buying those raw type bones with marrow, you know, they're a risk of, of, of bringing something home and, and making us sick as well with, you know, different sources of zoonotic bacteria that just aren't, aren't healthy for us as well salmonella things like that right that's good to know let's talk about gingivitis what is gingivitis gingivitis is the the gum tissue that's right around your teeth that's the gingiva and when that gets angry and inflamed then it turns it turns red Um, the more red or more angry or the worse that gingivitis is the more likely the gum tissue is going to bleed and sometimes we'll even see that spontaneously if they've got lots of disease and lots of inflammation Um, but most of the time i think we're catching gingivitis and periodontal disease early enough that that we're seeing our veterinarians for treatment. So what causes gingivitis? Gingivitis is a combination response from both the bacteria that are there. So if you think about the mouth, mouth has thousands and thousands of different types of bacteria that are living there. And most of the time we have a spread of the good type of bacteria. If you let that plaque build up, then we get a we get a change from the good bacteria to the bad, and the gingivitis results from not only the bad bacteria making those tissues angry, but also the body's response to the to the infection that's there also gets ramped up and also makes the gingivite gingiva red as well. So how do you treat gingivitis? Yeah, you got to get to the root of the source. So you got to clean up that plaque. You got to remove that source of inflammation. And then ideally you do things to keep it that way. So um, any dog that comes in that has gingivitis, usually with the the cleaning under anesthesia, we'll get everything cleaned up. We'll treat any um, pockets that are there. And then we usually try to coach the client about what they can do at home to help prevent it from coming back. And usually that makes the gingivitis, uh, prevents it from recurring. I see. So is gingivitis something that a pet parent could notice if they happen to open their dog's mouth? Yeah, I think anytime the anytime the tissue that should be pink looks more red and angry, then it's it's worth, you know, bringing up to your vet's attention. So let's talk about periodontal disease. What exactly is that and how is that different from gingivitis? Yeah, gingivitis would be kind of the beginning stages of periodontal disease. So if you think about periodontal disease as more of 
um, disease or loss of attachment of the things that are holding the tooth in place. Usually when we think about the periodontium, which is that supporting group of tissues, we're thinking of the surface of the root of the tooth. We're talking about the bone that the tooth sits in, and we're talking about the periodontal ligament, uh, which is what attaches the tooth itself to, to the bone. And then the gingiva is the last piece of that puzzle. So gingivitis is the earliest stage of periodontal disease. It's the reversible stage. It's the most easily reversible stage. And once that inflammation and infection gets worse, gets more ramped up, then we start to have the periodontal ligament lets go of the bone or the root. And then we start to get pockets. And once you have the pockets, then we have a situation where the bad bacteria can really take off set hold and just continue that snowball effect of more inflammation, more attachment loss. And that's when we get to the point that teeth get abscessed or loose. Wow. You can't have periodontal disease without gingivitis. Correct. With rare exceptions, you cannot have periodontal disease without gingivitis. Oh, wow. Okay. So is periodontal disease reversible? Uh, It can be with a lot of work. Usually the worse that the periodontal disease is or the worse the attachment loss is to that tooth, the more work it's going to take both for us as a veterinarian under general anesthesia to try to make that a healthy place for the body to reattach. But it's also going to be more work for the pet parent to help keep that mouth clean because, you know, under anesthesia, we can clean up these areas of bad periodontal disease, but it's kind of up to the client to help keep it that way. And then there's also the mix of genetics and mother nature to also create an environment where things want to heal. Let's talk about uh, table foods. Are dogs that eat table foods more likely to run into dental hygiene problems? You know, I'm not really familiar with anything that would that support that or negate that idea either way. Um, I think that sometimes the idea is that with the variety of food, maybe they'd be less likely to develop periodontal disease or gingivitis. But um, I think of it as a veterinarian. My bigger concern with the table scraps is, are they getting too many calories? especially if they're continuing to get fed kibble. And then the other big piece of it is, you know, their their stomach just isn't used to seeing a variety of type, different types of food. And we don't want to have them develop something worse like pancreatitis. Let's talk about canned food. And I always heard that canned food was bad for a dog's teeth. Is there any truth to that? Uh, you know, with canned food, you just kind of really lose out on any of that mechanical disruption of plaque from chewing. You know, some some dogs really prefer canned food, I think, because it usually smells better. Um, you know, I think it's kind of more like a treat for them. But as far as is canned food directly related to worse teeth? No. If you do have bad teeth and your teeth are painful, those dogs for sure are going to prefer canned or softened food because they don't have to chew it and they don't have to chew it with their teeth that are uncomfortable. Are there certain dog breeds that are prone to gum disease? Yeah. So as far as certain breeds, uh, so I could definitely sweep with a broad brush and say small breed dogs tend to be very prone to periodontal disease for a bunch of reasons. One, they tend to be breeds of dogs that live longer. So some people believe that periodontal disease is something that accumulates over the course of their life, sets them off to have worse disease. So living longer, you have an aggregation of more disease that can develop. Small breed dogs tend to have teeth that are more crowded. They tend to be mouth breathers, which kind of throw off the bacteria in the mouth to split from the good guys to the bad. So both of those situations can be issues And then purely to answer your question from a breed perspective, 
Um, you know, greyhounds kind of get a bum rap for having a notoriety of, of having bad teeth. And that probably, you know, precipitates out from genetics more so than anything else. Some people believe it's, it's the food that they were fed on the track before they were adopted out. Um, there's probably some truth to that, but you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of greyhounds that have lived in a, in a nice comfy home for a long time and they still have a terrible battle with periodontal disease. So I think genetics is a big piece of wow. that. Wow. Well. So what are some things that dog parents can do at home to prevent their dogs from developing dental problems in the future? Yeah. So again, kind of work with your veterinarian. You know, the number one thing to do is to make sure that we're starting with a healthy mouth to begin with. So usually a veterinarian is going to need general anesthesia and some dental x-rays to make sure that there's no, no pockets of disease, no infection below the gum line. And then once you start with that and you start kind of on a level playing field, that's where all these other different tools kind of come into play. So using different shoes, treats, and toys that are on the vohc.org website, um, as well as getting some coaching about how to brush your dog's teeth, um, that's really, you know, it's it's going to be the mechanical disruption of that, that plaque layer that's really going to prevent the bad perio and then also the tartar from developing. Well, Dr. Snyder, my time is running short, and we're going to have to leave it here, my friend. I certainly learned a lot about canine dental health and some of the do's and don'ts, and I'm quite sure that our listeners gleaned a lot as well. Dr. Snyder, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk to us more about pets' oral health and more tips on how to keep our pets' mouths healthy. Oh, no problem, Ed. I really appreciate you asking me to be here, and hopefully I gave some good tips and tricks for uh, some of your pet pet parents to think about and to have some conversations with their veterinarians. Absolutely. That's Dr. Christopher Snyder, everybody. Well, pet lovers, we've enjoyed yet another great guest, and I'm so glad that you tuned in to another episode of the Everything Pets podcast. We have another great episode lined up for next week, so please be sure to tune in. Until next time, my friends, always be kind to pets and animals because they'll be kind to you. Find us on YouTube at the Everything Pets podcast and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Podcast Pets. And check out our website at TalkingPets247.com for special offers and product information. Okay, I'm Ed Walden, and I am out of here! Hi, Daddy. Love this episode of Everything Pets? Let us know with a review. Also, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Follow us on social media at Podcast Pets. And check out our website at TalkingPets247.com. This episode is brought to you by Final Fitness and Play, your pet transportation expert.